Praise God. If you got your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. I want to preach a message on prayer this day. Many of us, we have prayed and we're wondering, what is next? What do we do after we prayed? How many of us, we've asked ourselves that question? What kind of mindset did it come to us after we prayed and, and nothing took place? Some of us, of course, in our hearts, we sort of gave up. We thought that God, perhaps, too busy. He's not listening. And so, what happens when we stop praying? What happens if we make a choice not to stop praying? There's a story about a, a man called Bill. Uh, when he entered the Pepsi Challenge, 10,000-meter road race in Omaha, Nebraska, 10 years earlier, surgery of an aneurysm, and the brain had left him paralyzed on his left side. But on a misty July morning in 1981, he stood with 12,000 looking men and women at the staring line. The gun cracked, the crowds surged forward. Bill threw himself forward with a stiff left, and then he tried to move with his right, and he hit the ground. Slowly, on the ground, as he saw the crowd fade away, he tried to get up. Pain pierced through his ankle, but he continued to move. Six miles and two hours later, 29 minutes later, Bill reached the finish line, and a, mo a man approached him from a small group of bystanders. Bill recognized him from the pictures on the newspaper, he was Bill Rogers, the famous marathon runner here, said Rogers, putting his newly won medal around Bill. Snack. Says, you work harder for this than I have. Bill had also been a winner, but he didn't win because he was faithful. I mean, he won because he was faithful and because he finished the race. So to answer the question I posed in the beginning, I believe that when we stop praying, we do so because we are a now generation. We're a people that we turn our laptop and we expect it to run at the speed of light. We expect the laptop to give us the information we're seeking. We're people that when we get hungry, instead of going home to prepare a meal, we stop at the drive-thru and order a meal. Everything we want, we seem to want it now. And when it doesn't happen, then we move all of our energy and effort into something else. While this may work in the physical realm, it doesn't work in the spiritual realm. And if we want God to help us and move for us and through us, we're going to need to acquire a new mindset. Now listen, it's good to be passionate about what we believe. It's good to enter the kingdom of God with a good attitude. It's good that when we pray, we contend for things that we're passionate about in our prayers. I have three, four grandchildren, three of them are boys. And when those three boys, they pray, they're passionate about their prayer. They're, they pray as and believe that heaven hears their prayers. But while they're passionate about their prayer, I see that many times their grandmother has to encourage them and do so often. Because as they pray, they have a tendency to give up more times than often. 
And the reason they give up is because they're children. They have not acquired the maturity they need to understand that the spiritual realm is very different from the physical. You see, there are things in place. There are things that are taking place in the spiritual realm that I'm glad God doesn't show us sometimes because those things could terrify us. Now, we know that many times God hears us but because we don't know what's happening behind the scenes, it can cause us to become discouraged. But you and I need to understand that God is constantly moving behind the scenes, setting things in motion, putting things in place. So when the time comes, things move quickly. Now listen carefully because just because we don't see God move, it doesn't mean that He's not moving. The things we need to be aware of is that Many times, God will leave it up to us, for example, to deliver the gospel. Secondly, God will never violate our will. God is someone who always knocks. He's never someone who barges into anyone's life. God always only comes through an invitation. And He will never enter into anyone's life uninvited. The devil, on the other hand, he will barge in and force his way into people's lives because he's a thief and his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy lives. For that reason, we should always be on our guard. So when the enemy comes against us, we're not caught by surprise. We're not caught unprepared. That, beloved, is one of the reasons why when we pray, we need to pray without giving up. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done that, to stand. I want to speak secondly about being caught unprepared. I was reading the statistics of New York and it was heartbreaking to see how many casualties the coronavirus has taken. And one of the reasons why is this taking place is because this virus caught everyone unprepared. City officials all over the world did not know how to react to it. How many of us we have engaged our enemy unprepared? I believe we all have engaged the enemy Unprepared, however, is like trying to stand up to a virus for which there is no cure. It's bound to bring disaster to all of us. Now, I can only imagine the great relief that came to those who were in distress in the state of New York City when the ship coming to them was filled with medical professionals coming to bring relief to those who were suffering. Prayer, beloved, is like sending an SOS into the heavens Prayer is what brings relief, but it doesn't happen when we pray just once. But more importantly, we need to understand that on our own, we cannot defeat the enemy. We must have Jesus in our corner to help us. Our eyes need to be open as we come to realize that when Jesus is in our corner, we're able to obtain the confidence in our hearts that everything's going to be okay. Ever seen one of those movies where some hero lands in a city, but before he embarks into a mission, he has to meet with someone who's going to hook him up with all the weapons he's going to need to make his mission a success. A believer is like that hero in the movie. 
And the person we meet is Jesus. Having Jesus in our corner, beloved, is what's going to give us the weapons we need to make our journey a great success. See, Jesus through the Holy Spirit comes and gives us the weapons we need to defeat our enemy and to complete our mission. So when you hear your pastor preach on faith, on truth and righteousness, on peace, they're more than just words. These are weapons that we need and we must have at our disposal if we're going to defeat the enemy. Now, most of us, we know as the Bible. But the Bible, beloved, is the Word of God. And the Word of God is a weapon that we cannot live without. Yet many of us, as we start our day, we don't take the time to read the Word of God. How many of us, we get up with just enough time to rush out the door before we start our day? It doesn't even occur to us that before we start our day, we need a dose from heaven. And if we miss that dose from heaven, it's like skipping an important meal. That it, If we multiply 365 days, it causes us to be weak. Is it no wonder that we are a generation that's filled with spiritual anemic people? We don't stop to think that many times those bad habits we obtain keep us from living a life of victory. How many of us, we created unnecessary bad habits in our lives? Habits that keep us from living a disciplinary life that will lead us to victory. Listen, I know an organization that felt that the answer was to get rid of all their TVs. So those who were in ministry were not allowed to have a TV. And the reason is because television is a time robber. It robs people from precious time that they need to invest somewhere else. But the problem that I see with that is the appearance it gives that it's working. But it doesn't deal with the root of the problem. And what is the root of the problem? The root of the problem is the flesh. Yes, it's true that depriving church members from having a television set in their homes cuts back on a lot of wasted hours. But it doesn't do anything to, to, to teach true principles of having a disciplinary life. This is more effective when changes come from the heart, beloved. Instead of just being engaged in rules that are being enforced on, from the outside, which come through a form of authority. Now, forbidding your children from watching TV at certain times of the day, from watching certain programs, is not the same as telling an adult that he can have a TV in his home because they need to live a life of holiness. Holiness, then, should be a desire of every believer if they're going to reach a level of maturity in their lives, not because they're part of an organization that keeps telling them what they can or cannot do. See, when I first gave my life to Jesus, no one told me that I can go to nightclubs anymore. No one told me that I can hang out with people who are a bad influence in my life. No one told me that hanging out with those who despise God were bad for my godly and spiritual well-being. But what I did have is a relationship with Jesus. What I had was a desire to be in church, a desire to be committed to reading the Word of God every day, and a desire to be in fellowship with my brethren. And as I began to learn the language, I wanted nothing else. And it was through prayer, beloved, that I was able to obtain certain things in my life. See, that is the secret of my success for the first months of my salvation. Once I learned 
to pray. I was able to feed my soul with life-saving sermons that came from the pulpit. But in the meantime, in order to survive, I need to have a desire to please God and my desire to feed my spirit with Bible reading and prayer. See, the weapons I had at my disposal were the things that got me through the hard patches in the beginning of my walk with God. Listen, I had no desire to go back to my own life. After a few mess-ups in the first few months of my salvation, they were enough to help me despise the old life. I became grateful for God's forgiveness. I became grateful for God's love and for His salvation. So I purposely began to distance myself from those who sought to pull me down. Begin to distance myself away from those relationships that would drag me down. Instead, I began to seek relationships that were going to be bring me closer to Christ. I remember it would drive my friends off the wall to realize I'd become a Jesus freak. Now listen closely, I've learned a thing or two about prayer. And I learned what prayer is not. Prayer is not a magic wand that we wave and bam, things just take place. And while God can cause things to take place, one of the things He never does is He will never violate the will of people. I prayed for many years for family members to come to salvation. Until this day, some of them have not. And what I learned through time is that salvation, beloved, is a decision that each individual must make on their own. But what prayer does for them, it gives them the opportunity to hear the gospel as God opens doors on their behalf and gives them as many opportunities as necessary to respond. Every time someone witnesses to them, every time someone approaches them to speak to them about God, every close encounter they have, a rescue message attempt from God, this is an answer to prayer. This is what God means when He says He's moving behind the scenes. He's active. This is a direct response from your prayers, beloved. To them, it's just another Christian harassing them. Another Christian trying to jam the gospel down their throat. Many years ago, I was witnessing to a young man, and he said to me, when are you people going to get it to your heads that we're not interested? And he began to gloat about when he was in prison, some random Christian came to visit him and tell him about Jesus and how he put this Christian in his place and how he made him wish he had not bothered him. I just shook my head because I knew that God was the one reaching out to him. It made me realize that God had heard someone else's prayers. So I told this young man, it's obvious that God loves you. It is obvious that someone's praying for you. See, sinners can't see that. They can't see that God's love is reaching out to them, knocking at the door of their hearts. Yet this is the power of prayer, beloved. God reaching out from heaven, giving someone an opportunity time and time again, trying to give them another chance. I want to speak about seeking prayer, seeing prayer differently. How many of us, we see prayer as a burden? How many of us, we see prayer as a thing we have to do in order to keep our ministry? How many of us, we see prayer as a, a fixation? I want you to think of prayer in a different light. Think of a large company you're looking to get hired in. Now, before computers, before online applications, in order to get up interview, you had to go through a different process. First, you have to make an appointment in order to pick up an application. 
You can't just show up and say, hey, I want to get hired here. Where's the application? But in order to get the appointment for the interview, you first had to speak to the person at the front desk. After you got your appointment, you were able to come and ask for the application. From there, you would go meet someone who said, okay, we'll call you and we'll set up an appointment for the interview. Once you had an appointment, you will meet the person who may or may not give you a job. And then after your interview, you were hired. Eventually, you get to meet the owner of the company, maybe. Now, as a child of God, you don't have to go through that process in order to speak to the one who made you and created the universe. You can do this through prayer. Through prayer, you have direct access to your maker. But unless you learn how to pray, how can prayer be effective for you? I recently got a new phone. Now, to me, it's a new phone, but it's an older Apple version. And like most people who get a phone, our first priority is to get to learn to use the phone. But unless we learn to do this, our phones are of great use for us. How many of us, when we pray, we only pray when we need something? But when we pray like that, then we're just praying just to pray. And if we pray as and need to know basis, then we're going to limit what God wants to do in our lives. We're going to limit what God could have done if we simply would have just taken time to pray and learn to pray effectively. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That doesn't sound like prayer is just the thing to do, is it? God says, never stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Prayer to us then should be like a support system for someone who's dying in the hospital. If you take them off the life support system, they die. The same is true of us. How many Christians do you know who are dying spiritually? And the reason is because they don't have a prayer life. When they pray, the only time they pray is when they want something or they need something. Now, let me give you an example of why our faith can be so weak most of the time. A doctor, for example, will tell a Christian he's going to die. And what does that Christian do? They accept it. The doctor tells them they have an incurable disease. And for the most part, we'll say, well, you know, I guess they run all the tests. I guess that must be so. But we forget that Jesus has the last say so. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 19:26. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Mark 9.23, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. In one verse, Jesus is speaking about salvation and eternal life. He's explained to disciples that unless they did certain things, they couldn't enter the kingdom of God. And the response of the disciples was, Then salvation is impossible for all of us. And Jesus' response was, For men, what's impossible for God, all things are possible. The next verse, Jesus speaking of healing, the healing of the boy who was demon-possessed. And the Spirit would torment this boy to the point that the father was tired, exhausted, and had no more strength in him. And as this man comes to Jesus' disciples asking for help, they weren't able to help him. So then he comes to Jesus, I can't do this anymore. Your disciples weren't able to help me. And just when the father is beginning to re resign himself. Jesus tells him, if you believe, all things are possible. What was Jesus speaking about? Was he speaking of positive thinking? 
What is he saying? We just need to remain positive if we want to see good things take place in our lives? No. Jesus is telling this man, if you call on God in prayer and believe all things can be possible with God. See, many of us, we are like this father. We believe that he, he can help so-and-so. He can help this person or that person. But when it comes to our needs and our own circumstances, we can't wrap it around our hearts, amen, to believe that God can do something for us. James 1.17 says, Whatever is good and perfect comes from heaven, comes down to us from God our Father, who created all lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shift in the shadow. You see, God says, I never change. Everything that's good comes from me. And if we pray, beloved, if we learn to pray, and if we seek God with all of our heart, in time, God will answer that prayer according to His will. I wonder if we could bow our hearts for a moment. I want to take a moment to speak to the unsafe. There are many of you who are wondering if God ever hears your prayer. Well, the Bible says that He always hears a prayer of repentance, that He's attentive to hear the prayer of those who come to Him with a humble heart, with a heart that is open, with a heart that is filled with grief and sorrow. A heart that says, I've sinned against you. And I'm not worthy to come to you. But if you receive me as I am, then here's my life. You see, I was there in that place. I was 18. I was tired of the life. You could say I had everything going for me at least on the outside. But on the inside, I was empty. I was broken. I was lonely. I was hurting. And Jesus came into my life and changed that. He gave me hope. He gave me a new life. But those are just benefits. But the greatest thing that Jesus could do for me is give me eternal life. Eternal life through the blood His Son shed on the cross. Calvary cross. Jesus said, I came to save, to set the captive free. I came that you may have life, and life more abundantly. And if you can call on God, if you can call on God with all of your might and all your heart, He will hear from heaven. And he will save you. I wonder if you're listening to the sound of my voice. And you would like to come to know Jesus. You do not know him as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you once did. But you are like the prodigal son. You want to return. Say this prayer with me. Say, Father God, I come before you a sinner. I repent of my sins. Please come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. 
I surrender my heart. I surrender my life. Take my life and make me new. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I make a choice to turn my life around and surrender all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take a moment now to speak to the people of God. Many of us, we see prayer as something we just do, as something to think about heaven, something that we do when we have a need in our lives. But prayer, beloved, is more than that. Prayer is a weapon, a powerful weapon that we can use to tear down strongholds. We can use to benefit others, to benefit our homes, to bring heaven into our homes. Many times we can be passionate about prayer, but the problem is that when the answer doesn't come, our passion diminishes and we become discouraged. Something we need to realize about prayer is that God will never violate anyone's will. He will never force, He will never barge in. He will never come uninvited. See, prayer will help us be prepared. Prayer will keep us on our guard. Prayer will help us when disaster comes will help us when the assaults come. We need Jesus to be in our corner. Jesus needs to be the center and the focus of our lives. Prayer, beloved, will help us get rid of those bad habits in our lives. If we want to live victorious lives, we need to have a life of prayer. Because the root of the problem, beloved, is not the things that we fail to do. The root of the problem is our flesh. And prayer, beloved, has the ability to defeat the flesh. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, they didn't understand what he was talking about. But he was talking about the power of prayer. They were saying, it's impossible. What you're asking is impossible. But Jesus said, no, what's impossible for man? It's possible for God. See, we need to see prayer differently. We need to see prayer in a different light. We can't see prayer in a casual way. We must see prayer the, the way God sees prayer. We cannot minimize it. We cannot see prayer any other way than the way God meant for it to be. We must learn to pray and learn to pray effectively. And once we learn to pray, we can never stop praying. For God says, pray without ceasing. We need to see prayer like a life support system from which if we stop, then we start dying. Prayer then, beloved, needs to be the most important thing in our lives 
so that when the enemy comes against you, when bad reports come against you, you are able to stand in faith and to believe that God is able to do anything, but that you're always willing to abide by whatever God decides to do in your life.